1 Corinthians, if you read through the flow, he talks about in chapter 6, says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Welcome to Life in Christ, a podcast of The Landing Church here in Duluth, Minnesota. My name is Brent Nelson, and I'm here today with one of our elders, Kevin Johnson. Kevin, welcome to Life in Christ. Delight to be here today. Well, today, our Christian ethics topic is our health, and that's a massive topic. It's so large and it's so varied that we're going to say some broad, sweeping biblical statements about it in this first episode, and then we'll stay around and record a second episode and get a little bit more specific with things like medicine, food, labor, and exercise. Looking forward to that. Kevin, you presented this topic on health in our adult Sunday school class this last Sunday, and it was actually a wonderful discussion in God's Word. Thank you for the ministry of that. Praise the Lord. You enjoyed studying this topic? You know, going through chapters like this, um, it does offer some ways where we can really acknowledge and thank the Lord for very good things like our physical bodies, correct misunderstandings like those simplistic understandings, uh, celebrate what God is going to do yet, what happens when we're glorified with Him. That's a great thing to celebrate and think on often in these times especially. Um, and then we should get down to some practical matters too. When that, Lord willing, we'll do that next session. In the beginning, and it's always good to start uh, in Genesis 1, you started us out talking about the very... A uh, powerful statement God himself makes over all that he's created, including human beings. He says everything is good. In fact, he gets more specific than that. Well, yeah, we we read about the, the day after day he's creating. He's g- making these different things, earth and the sea in verse 10, vegetation and trees in verse 12, sun and the stars in verse 18, water creatures and birds in 21. Each of these are distinct days. And at the end of each day, including the that day where he created livestock and everything that creeps the ground, God saw that it was good. Every creation was good. But what I love seeing is that last day where the, the chapter draws to a close and God creates humanity in his own image to have dominion over vegetation and tree and all these things that he's made these previous days. And when he looks over it, he canvases and he says, it was very good. I yeah. think that's worth remembering. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was. it's great. And that's at odds kind of like with that simplistic meditation I had before or with early Gnosticism or some of the Eastern religions, which tries to say, well, some of them would say that life, you know, there's no real physical thing. It's just all in your imagination. Others would say that the physical is bad and spirit is good. That's not what we see here. We see before the fall, it was all very good, including our bodies. Um, and they were made in his image. So something to be um, something to be thankful for, something to glorify, glorify God for. And then when we fast forward to the New Testament, like you already alluded to, like 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 58, that believers, and when we think about the end times, believers will be adorned with bodies that are imperishable, glorious, powerful. These are the resurrected bodies. These aren't the days where you and I know very well that that's not describing my body today, right? So these are going to be made in the image of our Redeemer, who is resurrected and sitting at the right hand of the Father. Um, so that's a real body, resurrected body, physical body, in a real physical place. Uh, so it's not like we're some, you know, ethereal beings just strumming the harp somewhere, or like you said, the, the guitar maybe, yeah. you know, um, that it will inhabit real physical bodies. And yeah, there is a, a brief period of time we read of Revelation 6 where the saints are seated at the throne, yeah. but those are spirits. It says spirits right. there, but that's a brief time. 
Well, that's that's just such a wonderful summary and and uh, and and sweeping, you know, creation all the way to the resurrected body. It's absolutely sweeping. Some of the some of the dangers really fall into two two camps that we would want to um, draw away from and steer clear of. One would be the danger that our bodies are um, evil and we need to fight against them. We need to labor against them. We need to see them as wrong or as leading us down the wrong path. Um, and that our body is, some have thought, is our, our body is the location of temptation. And that all our bodies are doing is trying to trip us up on our Christian walk. Uh, many have taught that. Uh, I, I have learned from many voices over the, the history of the Christian church that some have held that view. They even get to the point when you exaggerate that too far that they say, the body is so bad that Jesus himself only appeared to have a body. Mm. It's so bad that he didn't really have one because he couldn't contain himself being God in something so mundane. That's a big error. That's as big an error as you can get to. So we want to avoid that body is bad error. The flip side is the body is good and whatever I feel with my body is good. That's actually a very common error today in America, especially in wealthy places like Western Europe, uh, Canada, Australia, the United States, and many other wealthy parts of the world. If this feels right to my body, God must be pleased with it. In fact, I just was encountering an an individual in the last uh, couple of days who said, I know that uh, what some have historically called a pattern of sin is right for me because I tried it and it feels good. That's the flip side. That's the flip side. And that's something to be held at bay as a danger as well. So God calls our bodies very good. And then that awakens a lot more questions like, how do we relate to our body if it's very good, yet fallen into sin, coming under Adam's condemnation through sin? Well, those aches and pains that I was somehow just bringing light to, they are those bodily deficiencies are part of the fall. And so maybe there's that, maybe there's some subconscious part of us that says, well, they must be evil because, man, I, I hurt when I get up after going for a run or yeah. whatever it is. Exactly. And, you know, you read through those aches, those pains, those are echoes that are intended for us to look to the Lord. If you read it in Romans 8, 823, uh, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we await eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Our bodies won't have those aches and pains anymore. We'll run and we'll fly and we'll—I don't know if that's literal or not—but we'll we'll really enjoy those bodies. They won't have those aches and pains. Um, and then Grudem, I, I highlighted this in the class. He he had this quote, which I found helpful, and hopefully you and those that listen find helpful. God will someday quote uh, fulfill His original purpose for our bodies and make them to be perfect once again. And in our perfected resurrection bodies, we will glorify Him forever. Therefore. We should not despise or neglect our physical bodies, but care for them and be thankful to God for them, imperfect though they are, unquote. Outstanding. So that leads to the larger question, how do we care for our bodies? And, and, and how do we know that God is pleased by the idea that we care for our bodies? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, if they are gifts from Him, we ought to take care of them. That just seems like a, a reasonable, logical book. And let's look to the Scriptures. I mean, if you think about it, he, he said, I mean, some ways it might just think real broadly. I mean, He tells us to have dominion over all of His creation, and so we should have dominion over our bodies. Um, we read, and we'll focus on this again a little bit, 
just in a minute here, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, how Paul declares by the inspiration of the Spirit, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So it is, it's the successor to the temple, the tabernacle, and, and there's great care in there, but this is where we meet God. And so we ought to take care of that temple or how our bodies are a living sacrifice. Um, I think back, and you and I were talking a little bit uh, about how we both read the McShane yes. uh, study plan. And right. We were trudging through Leviticus, and there's, there's fruit there. Oh, yeah. Um, and one of the things I had mentioned in the class is that you read about some of these purity laws, and you read like in, in chapter 14 about leprosy and 15 about bodily discharges, 16 and 17 outlining how we sacrifice for atonement. And what was interesting to me is I read through that, and of course I'm looking through the lens of exercise and bodily, and the good parts of the body, is that how many of these commandments are intended to instill holiness, obviously, in this people. But the peripheral gain that they got out of that is these are the things that are hygiene practices we celebrate today, and we're protecting the people. Through their obedience, they're also um, getting a reward of, for instance, separating people from contagious conditions, or washing in open water when exposed to blood or disease, contamination, destroying items that could not be sanitized in that day, or even burning the sacrifice, which would otherwise have collected flies and all right. sorts of putrefaction and germs and disease. And those are side benefits. Certainly not the the main part of those sections, but it, it is a good thing. So ultimately, God commands us to take great specific care with our bodies and the bodies of other creatures and, and nature itself. And he does that as a command of worship, really, that mm-hmm. we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Romans 12 says it's our spiritual worship. That was true all through the Old Testament. What you do with this animal, what you do with your body, what you do and how you come before God was an act of worship. So my body has been given to me because the main command on my life is to worship the Lord my God. Yeah, Worship is what I am able to do with my body. Worship isn't merely an intellectual act. It's an intellectual act that captures also my emotions, my will, and my body, the whole of me. And, and then I offer the whole of that to God in worship, and He's supremely glorified by that. Then you have this, this very real battle that Paul outlines in Romans 6, and I was just studying this with our arcing class the other day, where Paul says, don't present your bodies, your members of your body, and, and the ESV says as instruments, but it's literally as weapons of unrighteousness, but rather as weapons used in the battle for righteousness. So now the body, by its own creation, it's inherently good and very good, as you've made so plain, but it can become a means by which we rebel against God if we present our members of our body as instruments or weapons of unrighteousness and we submit to uh, the usurping, occupying force of sin in our lives, but rather turning in rejection of the temptations of sin and presenting our members of our body as instruments or weapons of righteousness, our body then is a means of glorifying God. Yeah, and that flows really well. And when you think about uh, Paul's letter to the, first, uh, the Corinthian church, First Corinthians, if you read through the flow, he talks about in chapter 6, says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And if you read the flow of the letter, this is in response to some very physical sins that were going on at the church. Apparent disconnect between that your body can be used as and is often the means used for physical ministry and for glorifying God. And that's that's what we want to do. We want to do with our mind, do with our heart, do with our physical bodies. Yeah. So that helps in so many ways. It seems like we can say to many people, 
don't fall into the trap of despising your body. Don't fall into the trap of speaking negatively about yourself. Mm. Don't, don't fall into the trap of wishing you had a different body than what you have. Give thanks for the body that you have. Live contentedly and dwell in it, taking very, very good care of it. Exercise, sleep, we'll talk about those next time. But begin by saying, Lord, I thank you for the way you've made me. I thank you that I'm a man if I'm a man, I'm a woman if I'm a woman, I'm this tall, I'm, I'm this ethnicity, whatever. Let every one of those be an opportunity for thanksgiving. God designed it. None of us had a say-so in, in any of those features prior to our conception. That's the, the, the work of God fearfully and wonderfully making us in our mother's womb. So that's just one application that comes to my mind. It's a great application and one very timely, I think, in this age. Think of Psalm 139 that you just referenced there. I mean, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's acknowledging God's good purposes, His design, His handiwork, His rule over our life, and that He makes no mistakes. So if you're listening and you think you're a mistake... You think your thinning hairline or <laughs> blonde versus brown hair yeah, or light yeah. complexion versus dark complexion, those are part of his good, desi- good designs, and, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made, just as you are. Well, as we move forward through Scripture, we find um, so many references, Old and New Testament, to the body. In, in fact, if you, if you took an orange highlighter through the New Testament and highlighted every time the word body showed up or some reference to the physical body, it'd be all over the place, right? So as you did some study, as, as you followed on the, on the foot, in the footsteps of someone like Wayne Grudem, what do you discover? What kinds of insights do you discover, especially when we think about the New Testament and it's speaking to the value of our body? Well, one real practical thing is that, and I think anyone just thinking through this matter, realizes that our physical bodies are God's chosen instrument providing us he has provided us to serve, to minister to him mm-hmm. and to the to others. And so um, we ought to take care of him because it's like if you didn't ever change the oil in your car. Yeah. It will stop. It will <laughs> run for a while, but it will stop. Right. So if you want that car to last, if you want your body to last, you will need to take care of it. If you want it to do its job, which is to glorify God and enjoy him, then you need to take care of it. And so when we think about Sunday morning worship, you're preaching uh, by God's grace through your mouth, using your mind. When we're worshiping and lifting our hands, if as the Lord leads, we're doing that physically, and so those are that is His chosen means of us being able to minister. And so, when we think about how we exert, how we use our physical bodies for the kingdom ends, we can think of verses like First Thessalonians. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed the gospel to you, of God. Um, so he used his body, and he worked, he labored. He couldn't do that if his body was broken down on the side of the road, That's as right. a car would be if he didn't have oil. Or how in Colossians 1, 29, for I toil, struggling with his energy, that he powerfully works in me. I love that verse because you see how God's using the physical body, but God's the one providing the fuel there. He's the one that's oiling the vehicle. And there's, a, there's kind of a shared ownership and responsibility yes. there. Yeah. And neither of those use the word body, but they both fully imply the use of the body. You, you've, you've treated them so so rightly because they both are clear expressions of Paul's use of the body in a certain way in the power God supplies, as you highlight, for the good of others. Implying on the flip side, if there's someone without the capacity to use their body in service, there's a call for mercy from others for them. There's a call for mercy for orphans and the sick and widows. 
There's a call for mercy that just rises up from this high view of God, high view of our bodies, recognition that some, by God's design, are not able to use their bodies by virtue of age or illness. And that calls for this visceral rising up of the body to extend mercy. In fact, true religion is caring for widows and orphans in their distress, the scripture says. So I think that's rooted, again, in this shared experience that we've all been given a body. And there maybe was a time it was working well, or maybe there will be a time when I grow older that it'll be strong and I'll be able to serve. But there's also this beauty, this humble, weak, I need you, God, kind of dependence built into the, into the human life that says, I need, Lord, for you to provide me parents when I'm little, to carry me around and to feed me, or uh, uh, to, to provide caregivers when I'm older, or to provide healers when I'm sick, uh, or, or wise counsel when I'm confused, and that affects and relates to my body. So we get into profound things there, but I just love the way that you, that you address two times when Paul is talking to both the Thessalonians and the Colossians about the way he's working. They saw him sweat. They saw him get hungry. They saw him get tired. And he said, I was doing that to show you the power of God in me. Yeah. And set an example. I mean, think about That's the right. Thessalonian church. And, and there was people that were not laboring, and they were just skating by. And he, he was a physical example to them of what it was like to labor for, labor for the Lord, but also for, uh, for ministry. Yeah, you referenced the people that are, maybe are unable to use their bodies physically. Um, there's no, no shame in that at all. It does allow opportunities to, to minister mercy to those individuals. Also, those people still are able to groan and pray. I mean, they, they are praying. I know that there is a faithful group in this church that's praying regularly for you, for me, for others in this church. So very thankful for that. And, and you know, one of the things that we read, uh, some examples of that in Scripture is 3 John uh, verse 2, uh, where John's praying for their health. So it's biblical to pray. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So it's, and then you could think of James 5 too, where, where elders are going to come and pray, uh, anoint them with oil if they're, if they're unwell. So uh, those are all good examples of how prayer can be at work as well in this. Paul's counsel to Timothy to take a little wine for his stomach is another affirmation of a little bit of, uh, of use of medicine there, but an affirmation of the well-being of Timothy's body. Right. And, and the importance of being able to offer some wisdom and encouragement to say, I care for you. I care for your body to be well. Uh, everything that God is doing in your life will be served if your body and stomach are well, Timothy. So take take a little drink. Right. Is medicine the church in Ephesus? Or I guess I don't know where he was yes, at that he point. Yes, he was at Ephesus. Ephesus. Yep. But yeah, he was able to minister better if his stomach was well. Yep. Well, one of the questions that you raised at this point was, when you think about the person who might need uh, this, this biblical doctrine most, what kind of a person might come to mind, especially in our day and age? There's lots of confusion about our bodies today. About what we've just covered, about our bodies being good, or about... Our bodies being good, yeah, and, and how we might value them. Oh, I can think of a variety of people. Um, I think about in this day and age when culture mandates that you look a certain way or yeah. act a certain way. Uh, maybe people that uh, feel like they can, they have to earn God's favor by conducting them, themselves in a certain manner. Our bodies are intended as a means of worship. So if you were beat down growing up either physically or emotionally because you're just, someone told you you were worthless because you didn't look a certain way or act a certain way, um, God in His grace has said, your body is very good. 
and it's intended to worship. So do that. Enjoy that. Enjoy Him with your physical body um, and worship the Lord. Get into a group of uh, Bible-believing churchgoers that uh, are going to encourage you in that fashion and gather together physically yeah. and pray for one another. Those would be things that uh, I would recommend. And uh, Yeah, I think we could all listen afresh to this because... I don't know that most of us wake up and excited. This is this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it physically. Yes. So, Lord, thank you for my ability to to be awake this morning, um, to eat an egg, to, right? To take a drink of water, to go for a run, to go for a run, or to head off to work and work physically. So, yeah, I mean, it bleeds over in a lot of different areas. As you go to work today, as you're maybe you're listening to me uh, and Brent at work on a lunch break or something, just be thankful you've got a body that is able to work. Amen. Well, let's close this episode. Maybe, Kevin, you'll do that with a word of prayer, and then we'll take up the specific questions next time. That would be wonderful. Lord, we are sobered that you have decided that your Holy Spirit ought to take residence in our body as a temple, and that is unbelievable. Thank you for sealing us, for creating these bodies. Lord, when we are prone to either question your goodness in our bodies or somehow subconsciously have so discontent because of an ache, a pain, a way that we are fashioned. Lord, uh, gently, lovingly correct that thought. Bring believers around us that would correct that thought. Um, Lord, I pray that your word would minister powerfully to us in that way. And Lord, empower our ability to worship you, to enjoy you, to glorify you with our bodies as long as we're able and as we begin to age, as we can begin to get sick um, and, and other things, when we are falling short, Lord, may those groans not be of discontentment, but our groans just realize and, and show our longing for those resurrected bodies, for that time when we are imperishable, when we are immortal, when we are able to be in your presence. Lord, stir up a longing among your faithful family. Uh, that you have adopted through the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, amen. Kevin, thank you so much. Thank you. Really enjoy it. And thank you for listening to Life in Christ, a podcast of The Landing Church. It's our privilege to talk about the things of the Lord with you. We certainly don't claim to have the final word or an exhaustive understanding, but we, but we just as eagerly want to share with you what we understand the Word of God to say for your upbuilding, for life in Christ to flourish, grow, thrive, and bear fruit in your life. If you're part of uh, a church home, dive in and invest yourself in that church home, even as we've talked about in today's episode. If you do not have a church home, find one nearby you. Find a church that loves and teaches the gospel of the glory of God in Jesus Christ and teaches the whole counsel of God in His Word. And go there, dive in, thrive, learn, grow, use your gifts, uh, pray, worship, serve Rejoice, even even sorrow, with the faith family of God, the flock for whom he has died. Thanks for listening. We look forward to connecting with you next time. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Life in Christ. This podcast is a ministry of The Landing Church in Duluth, Minnesota. For more resources or information about The Landing, visit www.thelanding.church.